we're in the basement of Veers for this pub for this week's uh, Irish and Sweden podcast to begin with, with Gael Gori Satsulan. And who am I with? Uh, Noel, or Nolig Makshihig. Madeline. Noel and Madeline are down here. They're the only two brave souls who are down here so far. Noel, I noticed a few years ago on Facebook that you changed the spelling of your name from English to Irish. Is that where this started for you, this new or reawakening of your interest in the Irish language? Uh, yeah, Tatu. 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 Gawil is egna Daniela Gremisha os Aaron August Neil May Ossosana. So to make to make that difference between the, the Irish and the English on, on Facebook and in general. Exactly, Carcalor. Is is this um, have you been involved in the Gregory Sassoulan? Have you been involved a lot in the evenings that have been having here? Yes, I was uh, I was involved, but then with COVID came, there was a two year break. So last week I was back for the first time in two years and I had so much fun with great people. The words will come back to you. It's a good, friendly atmosphere. It's a safe space. No one's going to laugh at you if you don't remember the word. Everyone helps each other. And Max is a brilliant uh, teacher. And he's, uh, of course, Argentinian, but has Irish heritage. So it's something that was important for him to initiate. What kind of people do you usually get turning up here? It's a real mix. Uh, like last week, or sorry, the last event we had uh, Alan from Dublin, uh, who actually took up Gaelic because he saw an advert where a Chinese man went into an Irish bar speaking Gaelic, and he said that shamed him into needing to learn Gaelic again. Then uh, Joe showed up. Joe's a new, fairly new in Sweden. He's from Roscommon. He comes from the Gael talked part, and he was actually telling me that there's a lot of Gaelic speakers in the Gael talked now. Uh, so it's a real mishmash. And then, of course, we have this lovely lady here beside us who's a Swede and speaks better Gaelic than any of us. Do you know what? I actually thought when she was talking to us there that she was from Ulster somewhere. She has a, sort of a bit of an Ulster bloss in her accent there. You definitely, know? definitely. But very charming. That's fantastic. And we've been joined by another gentleman here as well. And so if we could just take a few words off spare, like, could you just introduce yourself and tell us how you found yourself here this evening? Yeah, so my name is Gregory Darwin. I'm actually uh, from Canada, but I've... I moved here in September to uh, take a position at the university in uh, as a lecturer in Celtic. So I think we might have spoken to you at the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Yes, I think we did. There you go. Yeah. And did you come in all the way from, was it from Uppsala? No? Yeah. All the way from Uppsala? Yeah. For uh, Kupla Fuckel? For Kupla Fuckel, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So we have one Irish person, we have one, uh, are you Swedish man? Yeah, a Swedish person and a Canadian here. Well, two Irish people if you count me, but <laughs> I forgot, I've forgotten so much Irish that I don't count anymore. An Irishman, a Canadian, and a Swede walk into a bar. <laughs> and, start, and start speaking Irish. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke I want to hear the end of. How did you get into this? I know you explained this to me before, but we'll do it once more. Yeah, so I uh, kind of fell into it by, that, by accident at uh, university. I was taking courses in history and saw that my department that University of Toronto offered a few courses in Celtic studies and Irish. So took an Irish course, uh, got a scholarship to go to Ireland for the summer, uh, went to Hirarua uh, in, in Galway, and just absolutely fell in love with the language there. And as you say, that's there was no hope after that. What would you have known about the Irish language before you went to university in Toronto? A decent amount. Uh, my family background is Irish, and it was my, my grandfather's first uh, first language, but he was of that generation that wanted to make sure his, his kids spoke you know proper English. Yeah. So I was aware of it growing up. Um, yeah. 
there's a lot of languages get lost that way when you come to a new country and Absolutely, you just go, okay, yeah. let's, let's learn the, the language here. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what does it do for you to be able to communicate in Irish here in Sweden? It's, uh, like, personally or economically? Uh, both. Yeah, well, economically, it's my job right now, so <laughs> it, it helps so, a lot. So a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, quite a bit, as it turns out. Uh, personally, no, it's it's great. Like, I, I really, really enjoy being able to speak this language, being able to use this language competently, like, yeah. having access to this whole world that I wouldn't otherwise have just by, you know, talking to people and hearing stories, listening to music, getting that kind of view. Can I put the same question to you, Madeleine? Because I actually thought that you were from somewhere in Ulster when I heard you speaking first there. <laughs> somewhere in where? From Ulster, from the northern part of Ireland. How did you get involved in the Irish language? Well, I, I went to Dublin and uh, I kind of saw all the signs in Irish and I liked languages. And then I decided that I wanted to go back to Ireland and uh, I found a course uh, in Donegal. And, um, That's where the Ulster accent comes from. I knew I recognised it. <laughs> so... I went there and that was in 2007 and I went back until I think 2011 was the last year. So and how have you found it? Is it hard to learn? I mean it's not easy but it's not impossible either I don't think so I, I like it and I kind of no it's, it's different and it's fun. And do you have any sort of benefit from Swedish? Because I know, like, the table in front of us is called board in, in Swedish and board in Irish. Does that help you at all, or any of those things? Uh, well, that's the one. That's, that's the only <laughs> word. <laughs> that's a few. Uh, yeah, bra, but I don't think it's... I don't know if that has any relation. Trust. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's all right, so there are a few things there, but there wasn't really a whole lot of grammar or that that would help you, no? Nothing, no, no. <laughs> Do you work a lot with adults who are learning the language? Yeah, so a lot of my students are... Um, we do a lot of courses online which are open um, through the university to really anyone in the, in the EU or anyone who has an EU nationality. So we get a lot of people who are, you know, have Irish passports or um, are Irish living abroad in the EU and have a bit of free time and want to take a, want to take a night course. And how, will they, how can they find those courses so they can get you to teach them Irish? Yeah, I think it's through antagning.se. Antagning.se, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but if, if you search for Celtic Studies Uppsala University, it's pretty easy to find that information as well. And about how many students would you have at the moment, would you say? Hmm. Online at the moment, I've got a second-level course with maybe eight students. Uh, and I had an in-person course just finished that had about five, so... A, sm- a small number, but a steady number. I've just seen Joe Corliss has just arrived in here now. And he, uh, when Noel was talking about a lad from Roscommon who came for the Grail Talk, you kept that secret, Joe. Oh, not really. No, not <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise you. Are you an Irish speaker? Uh, true, Gerd Gorno. Both my parents are from the Grail Talk, so we kind of ended in that generation, I think. So, okay, yeah. Can I be really ignorant and say that I didn't even know that there was a Grail Talk in yeah, Roscommon? Small, or no, in Mayo. Mayo. Oh, so, sorry, in Mayo. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that, yeah, that was, that was Noel that, there. So how would your own level of Irish be, would you say? Oh, not great now. Cooper Fuckle, uh, not, not as good, like, kind of, it was good during the leaving cert and completely lost it after that, so, yeah. I'm kind of the same myself. I would have gone to the Grail Talk like four summers in a row, and a lot of people, I thought it was brilliant, and I learned a vast amount of that kind of, but I fucking forgot everything when I learned Swedish, I found. Are you finding this coming back to you now, though? I think that was it, uh, learning Swedish, I'm like, oh, God, I completely forgot it's an Irish, so it's just... Trying to revisit it now, and it's it is coming back in drips and drabs. So. When you were growing up, did your parents speak Irish to you, and you no, responded? Really, no, they didn't know. No. It was never used. That was it. Yeah. So they never spoke to each other in Irish. So I think that was it. They just yeah. it stopped there because my grandfather is from Kinvara. He was an Irish speaker, and then my grandfather on my mother's side, he was Gaelic. So that was kind of the 
I think it just kind of broke down there then, yeah. So. And how do you find it now? Because, like I say, you studied it to leave and start. You would have had a fairly high level, I'm guessing, with a mum and dad at home. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, is it uh, like I was? I came in here and I was just completely caught out when I started speaking to Noel. There we go. To Noel there, I just got completely lost. I got. Hang on a second. These words aren't where they need them to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Do you have the same thing? Is, is it getting easier for you? It is getting easier. Yeah, yeah. So a few times you just get in the swing of things, listen to radio and again, like to watch about TG Carter, it all kind of comes back. So. Do you not find out? I find no, like that. That's a little bit when you're listening passively to the TV, right? To TG Carter and that kind of thing, I find I can understand everything that's being said. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But if I was to say anything, that that's where I get stuck. I just don't have a sort of a reserve of words that I can use. Is that the purpose of this conversation that we're having here this evening? I think the purpose is more that we can communicate and make ourselves understood and uh, yeah it's just brilliant and you learn so much from each other and for example the last time we met I was talking to Joe and I was using words and hearing words I hadn't heard for 20 maybe 30 years which is brilliant and, and you just learn so much from each other and it's a, like I said earlier it's a real safe space no one laughs at each other and if they do no one even notices because <laughs> everyone's making mistakes and uh, yeah we're just helping each other and feeling very proud to I felt so proud when I went home the other night that I had been here talking in Gaelic for two hours so yeah and how many people have you had at most here? Huh? Well, I've been absent for two years, but I so so not many. <laughs> well, I think about six would have been would have been the the most, but it's not. We we need to promote it better. There's eighty people in the group, and I don't know how many thousand Irish people there is living here. And I think most of us have a bit of Irish in us if we just look for it. But I think there might be a fear element. People thinking, I'd love to go to that group. But I'm a bit afraid my, my Gaelic isn't good. I've forgotten it. And I think that if they just overcame that and realised it's a fun place. I think, I think there's a lot of that. No, because... Or no, like, sorry, I'm using your name in English the whole time. But um, the, the, there was... Like, I, when I, the first time I saw this, I was the same way. I was going, I'd love to go in there. But then I was afraid. I mean, you know, I've never been a man who was stuck for words in my life. But all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. here I am, you know. Um, Joe, you're married to a Swede. Uh, your lovely in-laws uh, are, are all Swedes. Do, do they have any relationship to the language at all? Is it? Absolutely not. Yeah. Because they, they grew up in Ireland, some of them, didn't they? Uh, I think they all got the exemption. So. Oh, did they? Yeah, so <laughs> they, they didn't have to study it at all. They didn't have to study it at all, yeah. So. What, what? I, I think that's why, like, I talk to them, like, you'd say a few words in Irish, and they wouldn't have a clue. So I do think people that went through the school system in Ireland have a lot more Irish than they think. Yeah. You know, because listening to you as a foreigner, they haven't a clue yeah. what we're on about. You know, you think it's completely obvious to someone, but... That's why I think people should just jump in and get involved. You have way more than you think, so that's it. Yeah. Where, where do you want this? What do you want to get out of this? I don't know. I'd just love to just have a conversation. If it ever arose that, oh, yeah, I can speak Irish, no problem. You know, I'd look at someone like yourself speaking Swedish, and I'd be jealous then, oh, so Phil is great Swedish. So I want, I'd love for someone to be like, oh, Joe is great Irish. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, you're about to turn the tables on me there, I can tell you. But sure, let's get on with it. We shall move on with the podcast. But you can catch up with this group on Facebook, right? Isn't that right now? You have a, the, Gregory Satsulan is the name of the group, right? Correct. I, I won't be able to spell that, I'm sorry. If this was a spelling test, I'd fail it. That's great. But we might uh, include the, the link to the group in the show notes, and I'm assuming pretty much anybody, no matter where they are in Sweden, can join in if they want to. Yep, everybody's more than welcome. We've had, we've had drop-ins from Uppsala and Gothenburg and other places. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah everyone is welcome. Beginners, even, like, even if you know not even one word of Gaelic and you're just curious, how does it sound? You're welcome. If, even if you have Scottish Gaelic, you're more than welcome. Bring it. Good to meet you, Margaret. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out.
Six years of work. August can only make joke good. How did Sanum You mean? You mean a Sanum Dom? How did my name on chin? In ye? August Lowry and Togleliga. Don't me on Tanga Ma, but what long vague Mahoney and Elm? Ah, never quit Gaelic Gama. Ni Higgin ain't your card at Elm. Sean, two points, please. Yeah, yeah. Cut my shavy egg from Gaelic. Or Captain Go Batune. Better than half's mean if my. Ah, Tom, Gaelic and his Farragut. No, I can quit this Modena, so here, sure. Ni Higgin. Lorita Bella on show. Bella? Bella. Oh, Hasna. Nila Rita Gaelica. Nila Rita. Okay, Gok Fogra. Well, Tan Tianga own, Ak Nila Rita, Ak Egupla Counter Neri. Here, did you know that El Paddy could speak Chinese? There you go, a little clip there from the 2003 film You Ming Isanam Dum. You'll find it on YouTube there, it's over 600,000 views and it's a lovely little film, about 13, 14, 15 minutes long about a Chinese man who decides that he wants to move away from China so he goes to the library and borrows a book and learns Irish and uh, arrives in Ireland then and you know tries to check in at a hostel and the clip you heard there was him going into a pub and looking for a job but of course none of the Irish lads behind the bar understood what he was saying when he said that he was looking for work so at the very beginning of that clip there the actor you heard was Frank Kelly perhaps better known as Father Jack and Father Ted but an absolutely brilliant uh, straight actor a wonderful comedic actor we all knew that already and him basically explaining to Yu Ming, who has spent six months learning Irish to move to Ireland, that no, it's actually English is mostly spoken there. And it's it's a beautiful little film, but it's so indicative of our relationship or the relationship of many of us who were born in Ireland have to the Irish language. Because as Joe was saying in uh, Gregory Sassoonan, and as Noel was saying, we have it. You know, Madeleine who was there. Greg, who was there from Canada, they have it. They, they learned it in, in adult life. You know, we learned it probably in school as children. And it's just a case of digging it out again, right? So that was a real sort of mind-blowing experience in, uh, in, on Monday night, you know, because you go down there. And what I found was it really reminded me of when I was learning Swedish, right? Now, I spoke relatively fluent Irish already, you know, up until leaving cert, and then I just disappeared. But... To be sitting there and to know what's being said and not be able to respond or to know what's being said and the closest word to hand or to your tongue is the Swedish word rather than the Irish word is mind blowing when you're sitting there doing that. But I have to say, I didn't take that as a bad way. I didn't, you know, a lot of the times you can sit there and you can go, right, well, you know, uh, I'm disappointed in myself. I should know better, etc. Well, I'm not the kind of person to beat myself up over that. It's like, okay, do it again. Try. As Samuel Beckett said, try better. Fail. Fail again. Fail better, you know. And to hear Noel speaking away there, and as the, the evening went on, I turned off the microphone after probably maybe 10 or 15 minutes of talking to everybody because you don't, there's enough pressure in that situation as is. You know, I'd be sitting there and them thinking, Jesus, every mistake I make is going to be going out on this fella's podcast now. I don't know if I'm able for that, you know. So I stuck around there for another 15 or 20 minutes and then I left people to it, you know. But um, it was really, really inspiring to sit there and to hear how people got better and to hear how they helped each other and how they helped, you know, they found the words and they were able to tell the stories that they want to say. Were they perfect? No. Will they be in a few weeks' time? Probably. Because, you know, you don't get better at something unless you go and practice it. So... 
wherever you are, if you're above in Lulio or if you're in Yavla or if you're in Hudebro or if you're in Gothenburg or if you're in Malmo or whatever, get a few people together. Give it a go, right? There's no rules to this. There's no fine if you use the wrong word. It's not like being in the Grail Talk when you're a teenager and you're going to get sent home if you're caught speaking English, you know? So get together, enjoy it, uh, win Tanya Voss, um, have fun with it and do it in a sort of a relaxed atmosphere. And I do think it's very empowering. And it's one of those things, I think somebody said it on Twitter there recently or some social media, that there is a sort of an upswing in Irish culture. We know that back home, that our friends and our relatives back home are sending their kids to Grail School. So, you know, it is something that, that's worth doing. It's something that's worth going back and looking at our own language that was denied to us for so long and just enjoying it and finding our place in it and putting behind us maybe the negative experiences that we had with it. Because you know what? I found it really stimulating to sit there and to, to listen and to understand. And it's quite tiring as well when you're trying to do that for that long a time. But, you know, to get the jokes and to understand the stories and to, to think to yourself, well, you know, okay, maybe I can't say that much at the moment, but, but I'm there, there about so I can understand what's being said. And that will only get better with time so it's definitely something that i can uh, recommend heartily to anybody out there who wants to get in touch with the gaelic language with the irish language again right that's enough of that for now we will shortly be heading south to the fine city of malmo stockholm's third city never let them forget it we're gonna have a little chat with kevin dunn about life down there in malmo and his new business uh, a sound man kevin dunn and you'll find out what i mean by that very very shortly but uh, remember that this is a listener supported podcast right it wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the help of veerstrom's pub who are by far the biggest uh, supporters and the biggest donors to the show every month you can help and i'd really appreciate it if you did right because it takes a lot of time and effort every week and not least money and parking and tunnel bar and tickets and everything to put this together especially when i'm out and about so if you can swish the show on one two three two four two four one six six that's one two three two four two four one six six or the best way would be to go to patreon.com forward slash arrowman in stockholm patreon.com forward slash arrowman in stockholm and become a monthly contributor or you can uh, hit me up for advertising and sponsorship so irish and sweden podcast at gmail.com or just find me on social media now in the beginning lads you were brilliant right there was people throwing in money left right and center and then it stopped and i don't think you know i've had probably more cancellations on patreon than new subscribers recently and that's fine sometimes people can't afford to keep contributing that's also grand right but if you can please do because eventually it's going to get to the point where I have to choose between doing this and doing something else that pays me better right and unfortunately that will mean either less podcasts or podcasts aren't as good or aren't exactly the way that you and I want them to be and as good as we know they can be right uh, another couple of bits of housekeeping Paddy Kelly's book We Can English is now in the shops and I will be looking forward to speaking to Paddy we spoke to his publishers a little while ago about Swedish and English and the various different pitfalls there but I'm going to try and sound out Paddy and see if we can get him on the podcast this week or next week or the week after that just to talk to uh, to us about um his book we can english so it's basically copywriting fails in the english language here in sweden some of them deliberate uh, most of them hilarious and of course paddy is exactly the man you want to put these things together so it was launched there i think it was the 29th might have been the 29th of april so it should be in the shops now so if you can in the meantime pick up a copy of we can english and there's also a little message from the spuds and sill drama group right so spuds and sill are an amateur drama group here in the city of stockholm and they're putting on their first play in a long time and it's going to be not far from me here at the Olympia Teotin in Odengotan. <coughs> 
The performance is going to be in English, and it's called Cupid War Skirts. Okay, so it's Cupid War uh, Cupid War Skirts, written by Sam Cree, uh, very very well known play of his. It's supposed to be very very funny, as far as I know. I haven't seen it myself, uh, but I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. Now, there's two performances going on, right? The 13th and the 14th of May. The 13th and the 14th of May at Olympia Theatre around the corner here, and hopefully very soon I'll have an interview with one of the lads who's involved in the Spuds and Sill Theatre Group and. Uh, we'll be able to bring you more details about what you can expect from that but book your tickets these things tend to sell out uh, there's not a huge amount of English language theatre in this country but what there is is very good it's very enjoyable and again this being an amateur community theatre group you're going to see people you know you're going to enjoy it so if you happen to be in town or if you live in Stockholm get your tickets straight away okay without further ado if you hear a bit of an echo in the background that's because I haven't spoken to Kevin Dunn down in Malmo about uh, my studio here Kevin is from Dublin he's been over here for 10 years and I spoke to him this week about the fact that you know about the decade he spent here in Sweden how he got started but he's He's also branched out on his own into acoustics, right? So it's something that it's the family business and has been for a long time. But after coming over here and working in various different jobs, he's finally struck out on his own and he's working for all manner of fantastic uh, studios and games makers and film studios and that kind of thing. And it's a fascinating insight into starting a business here in Sweden, but also the world of sound, right? And I'm honestly a little bit afraid because people are going to be listening to every single thing that I do after this conversation I had with Kevin because sound is a powerful medium. I love it. I love it even more than video, right? This is why I make podcasts is because it's you and me together, you and me together, and I'm in your ears and maybe some other person like Kevin there talking as well. But you have to make up your own pictures of what he looks like and where we're sitting and what we're doing and how we're talking and it's a beautiful medium for that and people like Kevin help us get that across. A um, little bit of background as well, Malmo GAA and Stockholm Gales GAA haven't always got on, right, there's a great rivalry there, it's mostly my fault. I wrote a book about it many years ago, more of which I will tell you about once we've spoken to Kevin Dunn down in Malmo. survived yet another winter in Malmo. Uh, how long have you been down there now? It'll be 10 years um, in a month. And I remember the day well. It was when Lorraine won Eurovision was the day I moved over. Oh, yeah. Oh, what uh, was that called? Uh, <laughs> Glorious or something like that. I can't remember the name yeah, of the song. Yeah, that's it. Something like that. <laughs> it's amazing how many people have you uh, Swedish memories related to Eurovision, but you like the song so much you stayed, basically. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, had it been a worse song, I'd probably be home at this point. But, uh, <laughs> Would have had no. it back there, you know? Exactly. Uh, how is it down there at the moment, Kev? Because I, I think this is actually, it may be, I mean, somebody will fucking assassinate me now for getting this wrong, but uh, we haven't had too many people from down your part of the world on. We've had people from, from Lulio on, from Ostersundal, but this is the first person from down south. What's the Irish community like down there? Um, yeah, he, he, I probably to answer for answer the first part of this question, why has no one from Malmo been on a Philip O'Connor podcast? It's because you still like the me. long history there between the <laughs> Stockholm Chaos. <laughs> Uh, and Malmo GAA. Uh, that's probably your, your first answer. Second answer is uh, to do with the community down here. There's a fair lot of Irish. I think um, we tried to do a census one year back in uh, uh, on Paddy's Day and go around Fagans mm. and ask everyone, are they Irish? Um, and I think we re- we counted, I don't know what we counted that night, but it was it was it was well into the tens of people. But I'd be I don't know, there's a there's a there's little pockets. 
yeah. uh, of people. There's the ones who play the Gaelic football, they're easy to count. The ones who don't play the Gaelic football, they're a bit harder. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you don't see them out in the wild too often down there, no? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Thank God. And what sort of things are people doing there? Because I know you're over here, your your wife is Swedish and you're over here yeah. we'll talk about your business in a while. Are, are they involved in academia? Are they working? What kind of things are you doing? Yeah, it's a good combination, actually. Um, it, I suppose Malmo has that um, kind of small-ish city kind of feel to it. Mm. Um, and again, fairly well located there beside Copenhagen. So we get a lot of blow-ins um, uh, from Copenhagen um, of different reasons. And then again, IKEA are quite a big employer down here. So we a lot of people moving over who would yeah. have some kind of connection or some kind of, yeah, a job maybe would have brought them over. Uh, either a job, a woman, or a school as well. Yeah. Uh, again, we have Malmo University here um, and uh, Lund University very close by as well. Mm. And a lot of you know, a lot of students doing Erasmus and that. So there'd be a good a good flow of Irish through uh, through the system here. Yeah. And I suppose it's the ones that stay long, like myself, and you know a lot of the other lads as well through the G- uh, GAA. Yeah. Um, so I think Malmo has like kind of nice livability to it. Small, but not too small. And yeah, close I'll, to Copenhagen. I'll tell you, breaking news here. My own daughter, who's uh, 17, she's talking about wanting to study down in Malmo. She prefers Malmo, <laughs> right, like to Stockholm. And she's talked about making the forbidden transfer as well. You know, I'm oh, okay God. with that, Kevin. I'm okay <laughs> with that. Maybe you won't want to know Connor putting the jersey on, but, you know, I think yeah. we'll have to make an exception for her. Here, I think we'd, we'll take whatever comes our way. Uh, I think COVID has been a bit of a stumbling block there for people coming over from Ireland. Has it um, yeah, and I think we've noticed now the last couple of years, and then we have, we're just waiting for our new data center to be built in the outskirts of Malmo, uh, Microsoft, uh, which is another big employer of, uh, of Irish who come over, uh, come over uh, to work over here as well. And have they so, turned the um, sod on that yet, or are they waiting to build uh, in? They or? have. I think this is a, a bit of an extension to it. You'll have to get on to Noel McCleave to get the inside line on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, another, the data center is obviously over here. You probably know from the ones up in Lulio, Yevla as well. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's, uh, there's a combination of things that draw people towards Malmo. Yeah. And how are things going in the club? Because you had an absolutely brilliant result despite COVID a few years ago when we sort of br- we dr- brought it down from a Nordic championship to a Swedish championship and you lads emerged victorious after one of the best finals I've ever seen down at Gothenburg, which yeah. is a staggering game. Yeah. And it was yeah. a brilliant competition. But then like, it's always a little bit up and down. Some some years, uh, you know, is, you put yeah. in a brilliant team and then other years, sometimes you struggle and, you know, the women are supposed to be the same. How's it looking at the moment, Kevin? That'll be giving some uh, tips away now, Philip. We're two weeks out from a tournament. We're kind of holding our taxi close to our chest. Uh, I see um, your boots in the background there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it kind of goes, as you say, it's up and down. I think we we would probably suffer a small bit from the fact that we're not a capital city, mm. um, which is both a, a positive and a negative. A positive for by the fact that Malmo is quite a, it's it's a, quite a, a a small city and it's well planned. So we're never ever you're never we're, no matter where you live in Malmo, you're never far away mm. from the pitches we, we play down by uh, Limhamsfeld. So that's a definite positive. Um, but uh, some of the negatives would be that we just have a tough time getting um, uh, the players. Um, yeah, the amount of Irish coming through probably isn't the same extent as they have in maybe Copenhagen. And in um, Stockholm, we have the likes of Enterprise Ireland, mm. uh, Board Bia, um, and a lot of those kind of Irish uh, institutions, mm. um, even the embassy and that. 
So uh, it is, I think that's probably where we struggle. So we could probably get on to the Irish Embassy and see if they have a little consulate down here for the I think it's for the time. Us. Vegans can't be the unofficial embassy forever, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it is, it's something we definitely had a benefit of. Like, you know, I remember years ago when Board B has sent over a lad and he was French and everybody's going, what, what did you do that for? We, we need a corner forward, not another exactly. rugby player, you know? Yeah, so you but, know Brian O'Leary as well. We always joke with Brian. Yeah. He worked as a kind of a recruiter for a construction company. And we always said that you really have to be getting in there and recruiting people based on their GEA CV yeah. as opposed to their actual qualifications. Um, <laughs> but this is, is Brian still down there with you, is he? No, Brian. Well, fortunately, we lost Brian to a, a woman from the west of Ireland. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Probably has as well, but there you go. Yeah. He was a great footballer as well. You know, it'd be uh, yeah. to have him back. Yeah, he's a great and it's, it's always a shame as well, Kev, when a lad like that, you know, we have a lad here now who I don't know if it's sort of official yet, but he's been here for the last couple of years. And now he said he's moving on to another job. And when you have a fella who's not just involved, you know, not just over here working, but who's involved in the community and involved in your club as well, every one of them you lose is like having a fucking tooth pulled. You <laughs> yeah. know, so. uh, it's true. Yeah, it kind of does. It's those ones for him. You kind of, oh, I think it'd be wrong to call them blow-ins, but you, there's some people here, and you kind of know from the first day they come, they probably won't be staying the long haul. Yeah. Um, and then there's ones that kind of go, uh, and then you can kind of accept that, but there's ones you kind of, okay, well, they're setting down roots here as well. Um, yeah. So hopefully we have this player for a good few years to come. And again, get them into the club and you try and, um, and they, those there's just those kind of people that just drive things forward. Yeah. You know, every club needs one of those. Yeah. Um, and when one of them leaves, it kind of does have a big dent into yeah, the whole fabric of the club as well. Yeah. Um, but there's still there'd be ones like us or myself who'll be here for the long run. Yeah, a very like, long run, but the looks the, of things. The thing is, Kev, who wants to see you and me going up against each other? We've been doing this for <laughs> fucking 12, 13 years now, or 10, well, certainly yeah. the 10 years you've been over here. And at some point, you know, like the realization strikes you that, you know, we have to have. You know, I always used to say the future of the games in Scandinavia is with people whose names we don't yet know. And I kind of think that, like, you did a brilliant job, actually, in terms of integrating, and our women's team was good as well, but you guys did a brilliant job of integrating Australian girls and Danish girls and Swedish girls. And Deirdre might have been the only Irish player sometimes at that team, but they still look like a really good football team. And I think that's the challenge to us all is to sort of, you know, to not be dependent on the blow-ins and the fellas meeting a Swedish girl in, in Marbella or something like that, because, like, without that, it's going to be tough, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Um, on that very note, uh, you may as well tell me the story of how you wound up over here as well, because I know uh, Lynn, your your partner of many years. How, where did you meet? Did she drag you over here as well? Did she? Yeah, um, she did. All right. Uh, I think she had a plan all along. They all um, do. <laughs> like the mo- most Swedes, I think they have the kind of a Swedish women have a, a bit of a homing instinct. Um, I think at a certain stage in life, uh, and I was I would just fell for the trap immediately. Um, so yeah, met in Dublin. Um, she was working over there for was it Tourism Ireland at the time? Oh yeah, I think it was Tourism Ireland at the time. Mm. Um, and then she moved back to uh, a job with them over in Copenhagen. Um, so again, it was at that kind of time. It kind of ties in as well. We were talking about even with the business and that. Uh, I was working with my father's company uh, in acoustics, and at that stage it was 2011. And it was kind of the depths of the recession mm. in uh, in uh, in Ireland, and there just wasn't. I think you, there wasn't there wasn't a lot going on, um, and everything was a bit of a. There, there was just a cloud over the the country. I think uh, mm. during those years, I think things kind of probably picked up when I left. I don't know whether that's a coincidence <laughs> or not. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it was kind of just a, an opportunity opened up um, for me to to come over here and kind of yeah, start a new life that I didn't really see. Again, working with your family company, you mm-hmm. kind of think, oh well, that's it. That's uh, this is what I'd be doing. Life, yeah. Uh, this would be this could be a lifer, yeah. Um, and then the opportunity came up, and you know, I took it and came over here, and within a a wet week, uh, we had a baby on the way. You know, again, you went <laughs> hanging around there, were you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Again, uh, probably I had different. No, didn't have different plans. But you know, you reach that kind of stage in life, and things are good over here like that. Um, yeah. For for yeah, for starting a family and for for having that kind of life. So yeah. um, always be grateful for for Sweden for those kind of things. And were um, you able to walk into a sort of a, a decent job? Because like you know. Without when we come over without the language and that kind of thing, right? Even if you have you know good education, that you were coming from a family company and a reasonably sort of specialized area that you were coming from, were you able to find something to do through Fagans and Malmo or whatever just to, to keep you ticking over in the beginning? There, <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> There's a few of us <laughs> who had the same story. Um, that uh, we went in for trial nights in the Fagans. Uh, I'm not, I'm not the only one here. We went in with that last year. How hard can it be? Pull a pint. Uh, serve a few people go around and uh, I think a few of us went for trial nights in Fagans and didn't get the job now um, yeah. that's to the previous managers uh, <laughs> uh, what do you call it uh, to his oh, credit kind of uh, exactly yeah so um, good judge of character that lad <laughs> there wasn't much going on uh, and I kind of thought you know what I think this opportunity I'm trying to learn the language but mm. that was um, that was the key for me as well did uh, what they called Swedish for, for immigrants, SFI, mm. um, and um, got stuck into that. Loved it. Met a, a whole new bunch of people as well. One of them who's coming over now uh, for uh, for dinner on Saturday from Afghanistan. Okay. People I wouldn't have met in in normal, uh, or not, probably wouldn't have met the people in, in Dublin. Mm. Um, again, a whole new network of, of friends from you know, Pakistan, from, from India, from Indonesia, mm. um, just a really interesting group of people, all new to the country, um, all trying to find a new life in a new place. Um, and I loved it. And again, at that time, SFI had a bonus system whereby not only we got the free um, language course, but they also incentivized people to, uh, by giving them a bonus, if you completed level C and level D, um, off uh, the Swedish courses, so I, yeah, not not much else going on. Uh, Are we talking cash hitch- money here, Kev? Because oh, I, yeah. I never heard of this. <laughs> yeah, twelve thousand. Check that up. That was twenty. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Free money. Uh, <laughs> free money. <laughs> free money and a free education. Um, so uh, delighted with that. Uh, and then that was kind of, I think if you can show that you're, you don't have to be perfect the language over here, and you mm. can survive nice and handy just by speaking English. But I think if you really want to integrate and assimilate, then uh, the language is the key to that. Yeah. Um, and I knew that me having a kind of specialized education in acoustics, it's, and again, it's building kind of related as well. It's a, it's a building engineer's job. So again, uh, working in that industry, it's always a native tongue, uh, which yeah. is the pre- predominant one, especially when it comes to building. I think you can get away with it if, it, if you're working in IT, um, if you're working for a large multinational as well, mm. uh, in the be the likes of IKEA where they have English as their as their uh, as their main business language, mm. but if you're going into anything, if you have an education that's a bit more specialist or a profession that's a bit more um, 
yeah, even more standard and you're not going into any of that IT big multinationals, then the language is is um, is definitely key to it. And you don't have to be perfect as well, but just to show that you're interested in it and you will make progress. Yeah. So I remember the first the first few days working at the company, I used to work for um, Cosweco. And again, I just had that philosophy of, I don't have a clue what you're saying to me, but it's easier for me to say yes to your question than it is to say no and then you asking me what I don't understand. Mm. So I said yes to everything. I was a yes man. Just fucking um, bluff it, like, yeah. Yeah, bluff it. Yeah. So that was it. That was the start of it anyway. But you know what? I do think that it actually makes, even in a place where, like, you know, there's a company I'm doing some work for at the moment, and they speak better English than I do because I'm from Bunny Harney in Dublin. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't matter. They feel more comfortable when you speak Swedish with them. They can relax. They don't have to do the extra thinking and that, you know. And I do think it re- it's, and the subject of the language is something that we keep going back to on this podcast and how important it is if you're going to spend any length of time here that, you know, that you do get to grips with it and you do learn it, you know. Did you find that, and, you know, just in the earlier parts of this podcast, I was in very Beerstrom's pub here in Stockholm the other night speaking Irish, right? There's a group of Irish people, uh, get together, Irish people, Canadians, Swedes getting together. And I found it really tiring, Kev. And I remember it was like when I was learning Swedish and I'm thinking of you in that situation going, yeah, yeah, grand, you know, <laughs> and how fucking mentally exhausting it is, not just to do a day's work, but did you find it exhausting to try to understand people and communicate with them in the in the beginning as well? Yeah, I did. And I remember that. I distinctly remember. I knew you saying it. Just that mental tiredness mm-hmm. of having a, another language. Because I think in Ireland where we can kind of rest a small bit in our laurels there, mm-hmm. the fact that uh, we do have English as our native tongue, yeah, uh, our native tongue, as well as Irish, obviously. Um, and um, I, again, you get away with English, a small amount of English anywhere in the world. You'll be able to communicate with anyone. But um, when, yeah, I think we're, we're not great at learning the languages over there. Mm. I think one of the things is just to throw yourself in the deep end and really try and, um, yeah, try and try and just assimilate and try and just pick it up small bits. And you, you do feel like it's a it's an uphill struggle and you're not getting making any progress at all. Mm. But uh, as time goes, you kind of you look back and you think, oh, you know what, I'm better at this and better at this. Mm. Um, and I love that opportunity. Love that opportunity to learn a second language. God, I struggled with Irish and struggled with French the mm. whole way through um, school. Um, and the amount of hours that I sat in the classroom and was half kind of anything I do, it translated, mm. and it'll always be direct from English to the other language or vice versa. Yeah, where they kind of hit 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 the stage where um, after you've been here as long as long as I have that you don't really think about it. It's switching from one to the other. Um, yeah, and I never thought I'd get there. Never thought I'd get to that. But yeah. And not that I'm all that great, but anyway. No, but I mean, like, you know, I've heard you speak in Swedish. That, that was one of the things that I wanted to ask you was, when you're picking it up, I mean, Skåne, where you live, where Malmö is, and Scania County, as it's called in English, do you have the local accent now? Do you sound like you're fucking choking on porridge when you're speaking the language? <laughs> I wouldn't say, we always, you know, I wouldn't say that. Um Shecks and kicks, as in there's there's certain little words that we would kind of go, oh, they're from Stockholm, yeah. Uh, and then, but it, it must be, it's a bit like that again. We would look. I think it's kind of changed. Even living in Malmo has changed my perspective on those kind of things. Again, growing up in Dublin, um, you'd uh, the media and even the media and even business and that. It's kind of it's a bit of a a cultural capital, a business capital. 
um, and the, the actual capital of Ireland, obviously. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go, oh, sure, what's what's it? What's up with the ones in Cork there? Has it given out and just yeah. saying and everything's very much Dublin focused uh, and things even in rural Ireland is very much that kind of it's almost a bit of Dublin against the country, but it's going to give me a bit of perspective on it as well down here. When yeah. I look at Mamma obviously being the third city, uh, I see that there's so much that's kind of media and business um, and even culture that's very much coupled to Stockholm as a city. Whereas we would feel like we're a bit the cork of uh, uh, of Sweden, yeah, and I know we have a lot yeah. of cork people down here as well, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they probably feel it even more at home, um, because of the fact that it's 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 that it's a bit of a yeah a smaller city. It's, it has a it has its own it has its charm yeah. definitely it has its rough start a rough um, kind of name as well. And I know uh, you mentioned that in your book, uh, Philip, as well. Uh, the rough ones from uh, from Malmo. But uh, it's uh, it's um, it's a it's it's a it's a good spot as well down here. But we don't yeah. speak. We we think we speak um, perfect Swedish. We don't like that Rick Svenska uh, up there yeah. in Stockholm at all. Well, that's the thing. When that's all you hear in the media, you know, in the BBC they call it received pronunciation. You know, and when that's all you hear in the media, you start to think, yeah, well, that's that's the real deal. That's the proper thing. And yet, in sports, well, I work a lot with sports, and there's so many people, you know, especially in soccer, who come from your part of the country, and of course, they all speak the way yourself and Lindu and your teammates there in Malmo GEA. So it's not unusual at all for them, like you know. And it could be, you know, Daniel Nanskog who does be on SVT and that kind of thing, you know. And they don't make any excuses for it but in, in the sort of you know if you're reading the news or that kind of thing it'd be like you know turning on the 6-1 news and having one of the heady rays reading the thing you yeah. know, it, just, it just wouldn't happen you know um just getting on to the business because you moved away from well you didn't move away from the trade as such but you know you, you started to work uh in acoustics here in sweden how hard was it to find a job once you got the language straight out? you know is because it seems to me that working with acoustics and building is a very niche area was it very difficult to find something down there to do that <laughs> It was, but like many things, uh, it's it's um, even you don't get away from even uh, even coming from Ireland or that, but it's it's almost who you know. And as, I had a bit of luck there as well, um, that it was a friend of a friend who worked in acoustics completely by chance, mm. and um, um, that friend of a friend owed owed it was owed a favor and said, okay, we well, have to meet Kevin. Uh, Kevin works for acoustics from from Ireland, and uh, got a shoe in the door, worked. Uh, hourly, so an hourly contract uh, contract for a couple of months, and then hourly contract to a kind of what they call a provan sterling, which is um generally over here it's a six month period it's where the probation, period kind of yeah. yeah. And uh, then I was kind of thinking, oh god, I'd love to keep this job, I'd love to keep this job, um, and then I was quite nervous again. Probation period, probation, even in the English language, it's uh. You're getting fucked uh, out after six months, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was kind of expecting, oh, God, you know what? If we get the boot here, what do we do now? Get on the way and all the rest. It's the only company Uh, in acoustics in all of Southern Sweden as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I know I put uh, all my my marbles uh, in the one place. Um, But no, it worked out out very well. And I think, again, just showing because of, because of the, the business that's in, it's very much related to buildings, as I was saying, or building, the construction industry. So again, just showing you had a bit of the language, not, not a great level again, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it was enough, enough to get in the foot in the door. Um, and then from there, things just, yeah, rolled on. Mm-hmm. 
It's just grafting as well, isn't it? It's like, right, you know, it's worth keeping me. You know, we have that, or many of us have that attitude of once you get in the door, you're going to do everything possible to make sure that you stay inside that door rather than getting a boot in the backside and sent off out, you know? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lynn was telling me, now, I mean, the reason I'll, I'll, I'll tell people how the sausage is made a little bit, right? I was consulting with Lynn about this. I was saying, okay, people in Malmo, who do we need to talk to? And she said, you should talk to Kevin, but Kevin's too modest about it. Uh, he's just after starting his own company in acoustics here. So you're sort of linked back with your, your family business back home. Is that right? Yeah, that's the one, all right. So um, you're taking over the world together with the family. How are you going about yeah. that? Yeah, how are we going with that? Um, the kind of... The niche part of it, it kind of gone from niche, which is, yeah, with the world of acoustics and kind of uh, noise control and vibrations. Um, and then we've gone even more niche. And um, so what we do now is a, it's a company called Smart Studio. And um, Smart Studio sell um, a turnkey studio solutions for the audio industry. So audio post-production, so post-production, everything you're looking at on your Netflix and your, um, and your HBO is all, the post-production is done by audio companies. Uh, so yeah, uh, throughout, throughout the world. So there's a, um, that's one part of what we do. Music again, music in Sweden has been, it's always been a big industry. Mm. Uh, um, and I think Sweden is one of only three countries that are net exporters of music. Um, so again, big music industry over here. And then uh, there would also be um There'd also be a lot of studios in um, what are the branches? Um, Post production, TV, film, music. Um, it's those kind of video big, games is a big one as well, isn't it? And video games, yeah, you got me on that one. Yeah, video games as well. Um, and the ball kind of got rolling with a company here called Shark Mob, which is owned by uh, Tencent Games. And I was at the previous company I was working at. Um, we uh, built a couple of studios for them using this smart studio, and it kind of got me, me thinking. You know what? There might be a market for this here and I could take that. So it was a co- cooperation with the previous company, obviously the family company mm. and the company I was working with um, um, at Sweco. So we did this, coordinated, uh, built these two studios for the company Shark Mob um, and uh, kind of just snowballed from there. I was thinking, you know what, there might be something in this. So um, now we're in the process of starting up this, um, going out on my own and... Um, Hopefully, even the likes of getting, we're on our way to being, or we've sent an application to Enterprise Ireland. So anyone from Enterprise Ireland listening, uh, there oh, is an application. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there is an application in there as well. So again, we'll see how that goes. Um, but you're looking for those kind of big industries over here, the gaming industry, again, the likes of uh, massive entertainment, big company down in, uh, in Malmo here as well. Uh, Ubisoft up in Stockholm, EA, DICE. Uh, there's a huge amount of video game and video game production going on in mm. Sweden and then even in Finland as well. Uh, and then the music industry is big over here. Netflix have opened up uh, offices in Stockholm, Copenhagen. Uh, so we do see that as a big, there's a potential market. So, um, and again, coming from Ireland, Ireland's a small pool there's only so many there's only so many studios that are built in the year so again they've kind of taken this smart studio concept which is a modular studio and brought it into the uk market okay. uh, when you again say it's into, a modular studio kev sorry to interrupt you but when you mm-hmm. say it's a modular studio how does that work so you basically turn up and you won't load your van and four hours later i have a room that's completely dead where you can't hear me snapping my fingers is it well, I suppose four hours would be uh, would be pushing it, um, but yeah, you're talking you're you're half in the process from a, in in terms of the time from a traditional build. Again, it 
or treating these spaces both in terms of isolating sound and about in terms of the room acoustic as you were saying there but a dead kind of acoustic or even a, a neutral kind of acoustic in the room mm. um it's it's a bit of a myriad process as well you're trying to do a lot of things and you're trying to get this kind of quite a sterile uh, sound environment mm. um so that again listening you with that microphone there as well I know it's a well-furnished room. I can see in the background. I'm thinking, you know what? There's probably a, a reverberation time around 0.4 of a second in that room. Again, a bit bit damaged by my own profession, uh, as I think we all are. Um, but those kind of things would be, yeah, I'd be listening out for those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but again, when we talk about modular, we're talking about kind of a pre-build offsite um, philosophy. So again, what we want to do is minimize the time that you spend on site. We want to make sure it's something that's, it's easily uh, quantifiable in terms of the cost of these things. Again, being in projects when you build a bit of a more traditional kind of studio build and they ask, the client asks, how much is this going to cost? And you go, God, could cost anywhere between this and this. Yeah. Uh, and you're talking, you're talking fairly serious money. If you want to go the whole way and build what we call a room in a room um, uh, studio, uh, you're talking about floating structures, nothing's, coupled or the decoupled structure so it's not touching off anything so you're not getting any of that sound from be it a, an underground or a tunnel bond in Stockholm mm. into that building which could be disturbing your mix when you're trying to get the perfect mix and the perfect sound for your your music for your video game or for uh, or for your tv or or film mm. um you want to you want to make sure that whatever's happening outside isn't disturbed yeah. or doesn't disturb you in that environment and then you're looking for that kind of clean uh, acoustic within the room so again a microphone nice tight into someone's uh, into someone's mouth will probably give a better a better sound than um if you're well, if you're picking up a lot of what's happening in the room as well yeah. um and so yeah is, is there enough work in, in Sweden or in Scandinavia? Because, you know, it's a big step that you're taking, but obviously you wouldn't take it if you didn't believe in what you're doing. But I'm just thinking of, you know, I mean, obviously Sveriges Radio have studios all over the place. There's music studios all over the place. I, I think there's a market for it, but are you out there competing with, you know, 10 other companies? Has the market exploded yeah. since Kev Dunn moved from Ireland to oh, well, thanks for your self-belief uh, there, Philip, as well. Uh, it's, um, the market is there. And again, because it's a, and this is the whole kind of driver as well. And I know Enterprise Ireland are very much in behind this. If if a product can work in one country, why can't it work in every other country? Yeah. And I think the the modular or sound studio system is something that is it's an international um, it has international potential. So again, set up. There's two ways of doing it. Either you you do it through a partnering uh, kind of uh, scenario which they've done with a company in um, LA called um, Kaiser.com. So again, that kind of partnership is kind of looking at the LA market. There's some, there's some big media hubs. London is one of them. They do a lot of work in, in the London area. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other ones are the likes of, uh, likes of LA as well. Um, there is, uh, people put money behind quality in yeah. these markets, in the Nordics as well. There's that philosophy as well. I'm sure you look at, look at the furniture goes on all these auction rooms and everything else people buy here and they buy quality as well and i think that's the product that we deliver and there is a market here that they're prepared to pay for it and you can see everyone's getting involved everyone's getting involved in kind of audio what we call it kind of immersive audio and um, kind of that 3d 
uh, audio. Um, and it's very much being driven by the likes of Dolby, Dolby Atmos, even Apple are in the game as well now. Um, and you'll find that every all these mixes, that what happened during COVID, during two years where there wasn't a lot of um, recording of new material, a lot of people were mixing uh, old material using this immersive audio Dolby Atmos. Um, and that's kind of picking up and it's picking up a, at a great pace as well. So everyone's kind of rushing to get uh, not only the, 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 um, um, the sound, the speakers, everything in place, but they're also looking to get the, uh, get the rooms, these studios that are required. So if you want your Dolby certification to do the mixes of, of films, be it for Hollywood, be it for uh, the UK market, be it even over in Sweden as well, there will be certain requirements put on spaces where you can do these mixes. Mm. And that's the kind of market that we're looking at. So again, how big is the market? It's fairly niche. But again, a niche market in a lot of country, a company or a lot of countries is a potentially quite a big market. And if you can do something that's packaged that can be sold in other jurisdictions, then um, that's I believe that we're on to something here. Yeah. Uh, and there's not many who do it. It's traditional build. And we often say, if I'm saying, now again, I know there's probably a fair few builders uh, involved in Malmo GA as well. So I'd have to watch my Be careful words. now. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, we say that... Uh, yeah, no builders have been harmed in the making of these studios because a lot of builders will build one studio. But if you ask them to build a second studio because there's so much detail involved, yeah, they run a mile. So again, we're in the business of installing studios. We don't we don't see ourselves as we don't build, we design and we install a specialist piece of equipment into these spaces. And again, because they're modular, they can be taken out of any space as well. Mm. So you're not you're not, that's not a big, this sounds like a real uh, sales pitch. You're going to have to edit this out as well. Philip. God, no, never. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shoot um, your shot as the saying goes. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, we've got a bit into it there now as well. Um, but yeah, that's what we're doing. And that's what we, that's what we see. see you the know what? It, it's fascinating, Kev, because I go back to the first time when I, I saw, I went to see Saving Private Ryan, the movie theater with a decent Dolby stereo. And yeah. the sound, that was the first time, you know, you see these, you know, the pissy Academy Awards that nobody looks at, best sound design. You go, I don't give a fuck who got <laughs> yeah. that, right? But you see Saving Private Ryan, you go, oh, okay, I get it now, you know? Yeah. And recently yeah. there, they did a gig with a gig. They did a, a showing of Star Wars, of the very first Star Wars movie that came out in 1977 with an orchestra here in Stockholm. And I took the yeah. eldest, the lodger. And it was awesome just because so much effort went into the sound and it contributed so much to the experience, yeah. you know? And then yeah. nowadays, of course, when you look at something on Netflix or when you hear something on Spotify and people complain about quality, et cetera, et cetera. But there is, that's what people are looking for. They're looking for, they have these massive yeah. Bose headphones on the, 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 the Odysseans, Tug going across to Copenhagen every morning, I'm sure, you know. So that's mm. that's where your yeah. market is. Yeah, and I think that's it. It's, it can be quite a passive thing sound as well. Now, again, I've listened to some of your podcasts in the past, and uh, oh, fuck, even uh, the one where you're up in Stockholm, you started with the you're in the tunnel bana in Stockholm, yeah. and it's very much you can point it at a yeah, well, oh, Philip's there in that tunnel bana. I can almost I can almost see myself there. Yeah, and that's the power of sound as well, uh, that it can take you to a place. Yeah. Um and it's 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 something that oftentimes we don't even notice it. Yeah. And again, it, it, if you compliment an acquisition on a on a room, it doesn't happen because no one. If it's good, it's good. You don't have to think about it. If it's bad, you go into a a noisy cafe, a noisy restaurant. You're sitting there and you're trying to enjoy your meal. Um, it's uh, it won't be as enjoyable if the sound quality in that space isn't up to scratch. Yeah. So again, it kind of hangs. Those would be kind of things that I'd be 
picking up on yeah. uh, that other probably wouldn't think about until it's bad. And when it's bad, you know it's bad. And is there an application somewhere there for what you do for the likes of live venues, for restaurants, for conference rooms? Or are you just, at the moment, you're just going, right, just give me studios. I have enough to deal with with them. Yeah, well, that's the that's the whole kind of consultancy. If you're working as an acoustic consultant, those are the kind of jobs that you're going after. Um, and um, yeah, at the moment, I'm doing doing a mix of both just waiting just again selling a studio doesn't happen overnight so you're trying to mm. you're um you're trying to build this kind of pipeline sales pipeline um but so i would work in even tomorrow night i'm out at a, a local bar here that's having noise complaints from a, a neighbor to them so um and this bar plays drum and bass music outdoors <laughs> in the middle of malmo so it's not surprising you have a problem <laughs> just throw everything off the fuck <laughs> exactly. that's your only solution <laughs> yeah i can have a you're just going to picture Brendan Grace sitting in the corner there while I was playing jungle music. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the, that's a, that's another part of what I do. There are huge applications, and that's the kind of consultancy, consultancy side of things, um, which is the sky's the limit. Um, again, in terms of the, the acoustic injury, even if you think it's niche, there's probably there's companies employing the company's employing 100, 150 people that are working specifically with acoustics over here as well. Yeah. Um, and the market is, you wouldn't think it, but it's big. And that's kind of probably thanks to this kind of structured life and structured country we live in, uh, Philip, in terms of standards, regulations, standards, regulations, everything. Yeah. Um, and acoustics is one of those. Yeah. And I mean, it is that thing as well, like you were mentioning that, you know, people are prepared to pay for something. They want to buy buy something and it stays bought kind of thing. So if they're going to invest in the studio, well, they may as well pay you to do it properly as do it half hours. You know, I'm thinking of the same thing and I'm at home talking to you this evening, but in the little office slash studio in town, you know, it's uh, I'm always looking at these things and eventually I'll have to get you. You know, when I've made it, when I've won the Euro millions, I'll have to get you. <laughs> but I have exactly. one final question to my friends. The most important question I'm going to ask you all night. You mentioned there, it's only a few weeks to championship. Will you be pulling on your boots from Almo GAA or this year i will and i don't think i'm too far off my uh testimonial um at this <laughs> after stage. 10 years yeah after 10 years i think i've uh i've uh, put in my um uh, put in put in your service for the club i'll be putting them on there won't be another done brother there so there won't be any internal fighting or even external fighting with stockholm uh going on at the next tournament so uh yours is safe enough to come down to copenhagen in two weeks time Look at it. We'll be more than happy to see you down there. And Kevin, thanks very much for taking me through all that. I wish you every success with your business and I look forward to a consultation and maybe even a teeny, teeny little discount when you do come up to St. Explan to fix up the studio that we use for the Irish and Sweden podcast. Kev, thanks so much for talking to me. Good stuff, Phil. Appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, I was delighted to get Kevin on the podcast, one of the first representatives we've had from our Southern community. And I'm hoping uh, there's two or three more names because, again, I keep coming back to this thing. There are no ordinary Irish people here in Sweden. There's only people doing extraordinary things. And he is one of them. And there's plenty of others like him down there in Malmo. And I'm looking forward to getting down there. May the 7th in Copenhagen is the first Gaelic football tournament of the year. And I'm getting forward to getting down there and seeing Kev and renewing a few of the rivalries, but also chatting to people down there. And I can guarantee you that OK 
okay, we might be on Danish soil, but there will be an Irish and Sweden podcast coming out of that because there's bound to be people there that I'll be talking to during the day and uh, that we'll get their stories off them. We might get a little bit of a, a longer sit down with someone to find out what they're up to and what they're doing. Uh, hopefully we might see the lads from Yavlin, from Lulio and from places like that again. Again, the reminder, it is a listener-supported podcast. You'll find all the details on Facebook or LinkedIn or that kind of thing if you do want to support the podcast. Oh yeah, the thing I meant to tell you about the rivalry between the Stockholm Gales and uh, Malmo GAA, it mostly stands back to the fact that the first season that we played together against one another, we were the two best teams in the Nordic region, right? And they beat us in the final of the first tournament in Copenhagen on a rugby field there. The final was one of the worst games of Gaelic football I think any of us ever played because we were all just so exhausted. We knocked seven bells out of one another the whole day and it was a really dramatic day and they beat us in the final and then after that Stockholm went on a run where I don't think we lost another game for god it must have been maybe a year year and a half maybe two years but I wrote a book about that first season and in the book the book is called A Parish Far From Home and in the book I described uh, that whole situation and you know it's a book so there has to be drama in it so you know we cast them properly as our rivals I think they refer to them as being somewhat like Millwall Football Club in England where they were a bit we don't like us and we don't or nobody likes us and we don't care was how I referred to them you know and uh, it's, it's fair to say not everybody enjoyed that portrayal of Malmo GAA but it was done with love and it was done to push uh, the GAA abroad and particularly in Scandinavia but on a global level you know it was done to do that and I think we sort of achieved that at the start of the pandemic there a couple of years ago I went back and um the publisher, Gillan Macmillan, uh, who published that book in Ireland, and it's sold reasonably well, thanks be to God, um, they allowed me to make an audio book of that, right? So they said, okay, you don't have to pay us any of the money back or anything else like that, right? You, you can go and do the audio book and just put it out there for people to listen to. So I did. So I sat in my little studio here and I recorded all the chapters of it. I basically read the book into this microphone here. So the book is free. The audio book is free. It's online and it's over on the Arrowman and Stockholm SoundCloud page, right? This is a good time of the year to be telling you these things because we're coming into the summer now it'll be a little bit quieter in the office you might be out having a run you might be out in your canoe you might be out in your bicycle for a long cycle sometime if you're interested in that kind of thing it's a snapshot of where we were as a community in Sweden as, as a community in in the Nordic region even back at that point and also the the fun and games that we had setting up the club and the challenges that we had to face and that kind of thing you know so it's there for free go, go grab it enjoy it I uh, remember at the time there's you know pictures in the book everybody enjoyed sort of seeing themselves there there were some great games there that I hope I managed to describe and recall uh, in all their detail I used Niall Scullion for that Niall Scullion has a photographic memory only him and LeBron James they're the only two athletes I've ever met who remember every fucking thing they ever did on a football pitch so when I was checking details I'd have to go back to Niall Scullion so if anybody in Malmo has a problem with any of that I blame Niall right Niall was the one who was behind all those things but yeah go back have a listen to it enjoy it get in touch um, if you want to start playing GAA just get in touch with me or anybody else uh, get in touch with Kevin down in Malmo um, if, especially if you're in Gothenburg especially on the west coast because I know Paul Curley is down there battling to keep the team together and none of us are getting any younger and we're looking for that young blood so if you know anybody down there who's interested in playing handball players ice hockey players or in the bandy players who don't have had to do floorball players during the summer get onto them and get them involved in Gaelic games and they'll have a bit of crack right we busted the arrow mark again so uh, I'm going to leave it at that for this week so Kevin Carroll it's time to put the podcast down pick your hammer up put the coffee cup down and get yourself to work and i'll be back with another irish in sweden podcast hopefully featuring somebody from spuds and sale next week and there's a few more great stories in the pipeline but i'm not going to tell you them now i'll tell you them the next time you hear from me but until then look after yourselves look after one another and we'll be talking again very very soon indeed <laughs>